Okay, so you know when you were in school and you like kind of you start falling behind all your assignments and you try to like rally together to get them all done at the last minute and you think you can pull it off and you never do like ever mm-hmm. or like if you're at work and you're behind on a lot of work and you're it's it's clearly overwhelming you and whatever you do you're not going to be successful at what you're trying to accomplish in this like specific task or multiple tasks, right? I feel like that's kind of what happens when movies get released to digital video, like immediately after they come out in theaters. I think a lot of these studios and studio people are really scared that there weren't successful like theater runs. And so they need a buoy like the, the box office by like, look, you can watch it from the comfort of your own home now, you know? Okay. And we were talking about Evil Dead Rise doing that too, because that was like not a runaway hit, but it was a very successful movie for the fifth Evil Dead movie. Yeah. That's been dormant for ten years since the last like reboot of the Evil Dead franchise. Um, I saw it like on a Tuesday and it's like sixth week in theaters and it was packed. Yeah. You know? Evil Dead just seems to have that appeal though. Like I mean, that is also horror, even outside it's of horror, like, just the It's horror, but also Evil Dead, Dead is like, hey, you want to see some fucked up shit? Like, go see the movie. And it works I mean, Yeah, yeah, every yeah, time. kind of. That's, like, that's, that's true. So. Um, but I think that's important to, to distinguish when a studio is really confident in the movie that they've made. And mm-hmm. maybe Evil Dead's a bad example because by many accounts, it they were very confident about it. Um, like the test screenings, which mean nothing, but it's important well, to say. It, test it was going to go straight positive. to streaming at a certain point. Like, yeah, and it tested so well that they're like, oh shit, we might be able to make money off of this and not just like put it on the content now. Mm-hmm. And not only is it like, I think the most successful Evil Dead, it's also like the first one to get like sequels fast-tracked. Oh, wow. Yeah, or at the very least, like, if not fast-tracked in two to three years they're like no we're gonna we're definitely doing one we're not just time to talk about although it. they've they've done that i mean after the the other reboot that happened came out they did the, they did the same thing where it was like we're doing a sequel it's done very well and then it just didn't happen like <laughs> oh yeah that, that's true that's true so, but i remember that the other one yeah the other one made like 97 million like that's pretty good for a horror movie but this one has made nearly 150 at this point so i guess yeah, yeah. Fast track that shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's so a strange strange result with that one heading to streaming pretty yeah. quickly. I but, just uh, I wonder if there's just like everything is so algorithmically driven right now in like an embarrassing way that there might just be like a computer program that just goes, Okay, now is the time to put it on streaming. And like they don't think about it, like they just go, Okay, and they just do it. Yeah. And, like, they're not thinking about any sort of like none of these people in charge of anything right now seem to be long-term thinkers. No, especially one David Zaslav, yeah. who has gone to bat harder than anyone to defend the honor of the Flash movie, mm-hmm. which by many accounts is one of the worst atrocities ever released to the human public. You know what's weird? The movie got, like, su- the Flash got surprisingly average reviews. 
Yeah, and not just like at the beginning when people were like, this is the fucking greatest thing ever. I'm doing lines yeah. of coke off Warner Brothers' dick, you know, like, <laughs> which was what the fucking response was at this. And I, I could tell immediately, like, they're overselling it because they need to make all their money back because they spent too much on this. People forgot it was like a 10-year process to get this movie made. Yeah, this was an embarrassing, just, uh, uh, it, it's the poster child for just, how embarrassing Warner Brothers has been at handling some of their chief properties. Yeah. Also, I'm your host, David Crespo. That's my co-host, Macaringo. Yes. We're here to talk about The Flash, a movie we didn't see, but mostly talk about Across the Spider-Verse, a we, movie we did see. We have to do Flash a little bit because we did that Batman retrospective all those years ago. Yeah, uh, and Michael Keaton's back. Michael Keaton's back, I guess. And Yeah, kind of, maybe. <laughs> like... It's, it's, I don't know, it is supposed to be the Burton Batman, uh, if not for the costume, you could have fooled me, but hey, I haven't seen the movie, maybe there's some gorgeous Gotham skylines that, with that Tim Burton aesthetic, I don't know, <clears throat> apologies to Andy Muschietti, who seems like a decent guy, um, I, I, just, I, I, I haven't liked his movies yeah, it's weird. And chapter two kind of broke me, uh, so I I was like never gonna watch this in the theater. You, Matt you implied you would watch it. What was that? <laughs> you did imply that you would watch it, so we could talk about it at one point, and then you were like, "Never mind." Well, no, I said I I texted Diego and was like, "We do we have to do Flash?" Like, and not any like that we were even entertaining it, but it was kind of like it feels like Keaton Batman being back should be a bigger deal, you know, like mm -hmm. it really should be. And considering we did a whole thing on Batman, I was like, does that mean we have to do flash? And we were kind of like, we both didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really one of those things where like, if it had come down to it and we had to do it, it would have been a, I buy a ticket for whatever else is playing that week. And then snuck into flash, you know, like mm -hmm. it would have been a move like that. But, um, yeah, it was, it's, it was weird. It, it was that thing of, they pushed it so hard. There was a part of me being like, is there something to this movie? You know, like mm -hmm. it, I, I, I've talked about this. I've, I've talked about this exact thing on the podcast, but every year there's one movie that looks objectively bad that the studios push so hard. It tricks me into going maybe there's something to this. Like, maybe there's something going on. And the fact that, like, when even when the reviews started pouring in, like, even the negative ones weren't, like, scathing, I was kind of like, maybe there's something to it. But then, like, the more that came out, it was like, oh, no, it's bad. Like, <laughs> and then it was like, let's not see it. So. Yeah. Weird. Uh, I want to give credit to my buddy Andrew Salazar. Uh, a writer and uh, one of the, the heads of Discussing Film because he saw it at CinemaCon. He was the only person with the same response to me who was like, and he told me specifically, he's like, no, dude, you're not going to like this. Like, it's it's like the same movie as No Way Home, like structurally. Mm. And there's no, like, I, I still don't know who like Barry Allen was by the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, the characterization of any character, not that they have to like adhere to a comic book code or something like that, right? Or the comics authority. Yeah. Um, just that, you know, as an individual movie itself, like, it, it didn't work. But, you know, I, I guess they pumped something into the air at CinemaCon enough, and 
People get really excited about bad movies there sometimes. The, the, how much does it cost to go to CinemaCon? Uh, apparently, like, your ethical standards. Well, no, but, like, it, it's... What no, it no, costs is... Yeah. The, you're gonna act excited because you're not gonna admit you wasted that money. <laughs> you know? I never thought about that. Like, it happens in Vegas, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It all It all comes together. You're railing lines of coke in the bathroom with David Zaslav, and then you're coming out pumped for uh, Mission Impossible previews. But like, also, like, what was what was the other movie that was like huge at CinemaCon that was like terrible? It was Pirates of the Caribbean Five. Yeah, and I'll never forget it. People didn't believe me. I posted screenshots of initial reactions to that movie from CinemaCon, mm-hmm. which weren't like saying this is the best movie ever, but they were like, this is the best one since the first one. I think people are going to love this. Mm. And people thought I like, I, I made Photoshop edits of it. And I was like, <laughs> no, this is, this is real. Like you could Google this. I pulled them from people's Twitter accounts right now. <laughs> like it's just, there's, um, I don't know. It must yeah. just be like that first. Cause I mean, BVS, which is a movie that people have come around to, but that like the initial wave for BVS was like, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Like, and then you see it, and it's not that. <laughs> it's a fine film if you have the director's cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think there was also the the Warner Brothers. I mean, go back to the boys. Yeah. The Warner Brothers guys when they screened it at the lot, like the producers gave it a standing ovation. Yeah. There's or that story. Then there is David Zaz whatever saying that the Flash is the best superhero movie ever made. Like. <laughs> It's like, these people are just dumb. <laughs> yeah. And the one guy, I'm, I'm not 100% sure I buy that he does like it. I don't know. He's been very adamant about it as well, is James Gunn, who I just came off praising Guardians 3, which, you know, like, maybe I'm just a simpleton, but it, it's it's the most, like, I, I, it's my favorite movie of the year at this point, basically, um, which, you know... As someone who loves those first two movies, was kind of hoping for, but didn't really expect by the end, uh, and who's really grown as a as a director, I found, and a, a visual storyteller. I, I think his writing is still James very Gunn is a traitor. Uh, it's it's a little hard. I think for I'm, me to I get excited I'm, about anything else he says now. Yeah, I think I'm in my breakup phase with James Gunn. Okay. Because I wasn't as over the moon about Guardians, but it was one of those where, like, I just think the grimness of that movie just was a little off-putting for me. And It is fucking bleak. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think... It's one of those, like, he he clearly set out to do that and accomplished it. So, like, I, I have to give him some credit. And it did feel like a big step up in terms of his directing, but I also wasn't a fan of Suicide Squad, his version. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he's in charge of, like, DC, it's... I, I just, it's weird, and I see him shill for the Flash, which, like, I, you know, he's got to do to some level, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, because now he is the the head of. But where now the I'm at a going. stage with what's been going on at Warner Brothers lately, where I'm like, if anyone works with Warner Brothers, they're a traitor. Like, <laughs> they're they're they turn into like the anti art studio, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think other filmmakers are seeing that like they're trying to take advantage of the chaos going on at Warner Brothers, being like, well. They desperately want credibility back, so I will maybe sign up my next movie there because I can get a bit of a blank check now that they've lost people like Nolan, you know, 
There's stories mm-hmm. of them trying to get Nolan to get back at Warner Brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think David Zaslav just recently, as last week with the time of recording, this was like, oh, we'll welcome him back with open arms or whatever. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but that's basically it, right? Mm-hmm. Silence from the, the camp that message was sent out to because he's not fucking interested in any of yeah. that. You, you think Christopher Nolan's not like losing sleep over what's happening at Warner Brothers? But there are stories about <laughs> PTA setting up his next movie at Warner Brothers. Yes. And so I feel like there are people like that who are trying to, you know, they want to get their projects off the ground and they're willing to work with someone like that, which I, I, you know, Hollywood, no matter what, you're going to sell your soul to get big projects made. It's just the nature of the game. But Warner Brothers is so nakedly awful right now that Hmm. I'm not happy with anyone working with them, frankly. And... James Gunn can go like, well, it's a great opportunity. I get to play with the whole DC universe. I'm like, good for you. But like, you're working for a horrible organization. And I don't know how I feel yeah. about it anymore. So right now I think I'm, I'm, I'm off the James Gunn hype train. Um, despite being so vocal about him at the beginning of the last decade, being the, the world's biggest fan of super, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, is that a failed blockbuster? I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> I really don't, but it is a movie. Yeah. I was actually listening to an interview with Gunn recently, and he said that he was basically going to quit directing um, after Super. I think Super. you listened to the same interview. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the Michael Rosenbaum, yeah. Rosenbaum interview, right? Yeah, they keep getting recommended yeah. to me, so like, I'll click on it. And yeah. um, I saw that part where he talked about like he almost quit directing. Yeah. And, you know, to his credit, in that same interview, he does call it. He's like, you know, they're getting rid of the mid-budget movies. Like, I, that's that's me. I, I don't have a... What's the trajectory of my career now mm-hmm. if I stick with this? And um, he found one, and I think he's very good at it still. I'm obviously much more a fan of The Suicide Squad than you, and apparently a lot of other people who yeah. are like, yeah, whatever about that movie. Um, that's... What I, I, like, I don't yeah. even hate it. It's just, like, very half-baked. Like, mm-hmm. and... I, I stand by, it. it's something he kind of needed to get out of his system so he can make Peacemaker, which is terrific, and I know you're not going to watch it now of all time. Yeah, it's If like, you ever get around to it, uh, just know it's, it's. I, I think you'll enjoy that much more than what else he's done recently. All right. By a significant margin. Yeah, but, but it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's not happening. But again, I, yeah, that's not, that's not the world you live in currently. Yeah. Where that's going to be acceptable to sit down and watch. And I also straight up just hated the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Oh, <laughs> which I thought I was liked just it. bad. Oh. But hey. It almost felt like Gunn maybe had a one more picture deal with uh, Disney he wanted to get out of. So he just agreed to do that. No. <laughs> Satisfy some sort of contractual obligation. Well, I don't know if you remember this. This is pre-firing even. This is, I think, pre-Guardians 2 release. Like, at least in the marketing lead-up to it. Um, a journalist who's not worth remembering their name because they're a scumbag. Um, but they were interviewing him like on a one-on-one like lengthy discussion. And they had brought up, so like, oh, so I heard you might be in the talks for uh, the Infinity War saga. Like, this is pre-those movies getting made, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, he just kind of froze. Apparently. Mm. And so a part of me want, always wondered, like, was he, like, going to do Guardians 2, then Infinity War, or whatever the part one and two of it were at that point, and then Guardians 3? And, like, that obviously doesn't fucking matter, but that was just something I always thought of, like, because he was going to be their guy, and now he's Warner Brothers' guy. Mm. Um, 
And just, I don't know. None of that stuff matters, but it's always just something that's kind of rattled around in my brain. But hey, he liked The Flash, so. Aww. It is Aww. one of those where, like, people who do like this movie, it's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> like, really? You know? Oh, but you don't even know what happens in the movie. I've so seen trailers, you... dude. Like, I, I, they're not going to get better than that. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree. I've also, you know, again, I, I've seen the It movies, and people still like that first one. I'm sorry. I... I don't get I, I, what, what you just said. What are you even looking at? That's what I feel. What the fuck are you even looking yeah. at? Um, well, that first that it has that problem. I think you see with a lot of movies today where like that first one comes out and you go like, it has a lot of promise, right? And mm-hmm. you go, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Cause maybe they'll like pull like something off with the second movie. And then the second movie was so bad that it's like tainted the previous one. So yeah, some people still kind of reference the first one. What well, was like, a but, but no one really talks about the moment one. that first it movie like yeah. but that was just that was again Warner Brothers even in the pre Zaslan era being morons being like they had no faith in that movie being a hit and it was like a monster hit and like anyone worth their salt that had told you that movie would have been a hit you know but, yeah when they remake that in like ten to twenty years like it will also be a hit another movie this seems to be Andy Machete's thing which makes me not really trust him is that that's another movie that had like a decade long gestation period. Of like people mm-hmm. trying to adapt it much and more qualified people trying to adapt it, frankly. Yeah, yeah more qualified the last even if minute. they were revealed to be pieces of shit eventually. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. well, here's qualified is different than good person. <laughs> yes. But, yes. Um, but that seems to be his thing. Um, where like there's like it and it makes me feel like the similar way I feel about uh Paul W. S. Anderson. Where, like, he gets attached to a lot of projects where, like, other more qualified people tried to get it made and had more interesting tapes takes. And then Anderson comes in and is, like, just basically says what the studio wants to hear and gets the job and then does, like, the lamest version of something possible. Like, mm-hmm. and so, so there's going to, what I'm saying is there's going to be machete heads in the future, like, that are like, actually, he's a trash auteur. Especially if he does Brave and the Bold, like they've been saying. Yeah, and people were like, why did he get that movie? And, I, you know, I'll be honest, I said that too. Like, why Why does he get a Batman movie? Like, what the fuck? Like, you cannot love any of the Batman movies. I don't think anyone could look at any individual Batman movie entry since the inception of the Adam West film to today, look at any of them and go, well, they're just talentless, like, anonymous hacks. Mm-hmm. They all have specific personalities and visions, whether or not they work or you like them, I think is a different argument, right? I think that's fair to say. I don't know what Andy Muschietti's deal is besides being able to land uh, a plane that a production company needs to land so they can make profit off of. Yeah. And now that is a talent to be able to land a production of this scale that is absolutely a talent. It isn't nothing. It's not really a talent that is interesting or worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Which is why, frankly, I feel comfortable talking about a movie that we haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, really. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't spend this much time talking about the movie where we get, like, George Reeves cameos and Christopher Reeve yeah. cameos, uh, which is the most rep- reprehensible, disgusting shit. So anyone who praised this movie without mentioning that, at least as an asterisk or an addendum... Um, what the hell is wrong you with you? You should at least mention that fucking George Reeves sh- fucking shot himself. 
Yeah, like, arguably because yeah. he couldn't get a job outside of his role as Superman. Yeah. Like, I, I, sorry, I like Nick Cage and I love the Kevin Smith story. That doesn't make up for that, you know, mm-hmm. seeing that on the on the big screen. Especially or any since screen. Teen Titans Go to the Movies, like, beat you by, like, five years. Yeah. And also, when Andy Muschietti is like, we had all these other cameos planned, but, you know, we cut them for pacing. And it's like, well, you didn't need those either, buddy. I'm yeah. sorry, but what the fuck are you talking about? And look, I know... No one else gives a shit about the CW Flash anymore. That first season was fucking huge. I know it. You all know it. Um, the guy who carried the mantle of the Flash, if you're going to give anyone a cameo, maybe that's the guy you give a cameo to. I don't know. Maybe that's not even worth arguing about because all this stuff doesn't fucking matter and movies are dead and superheroes have proven to be a, a net negative to society at this point. But it's just something I thought about, and, you know, part of me's glad he's not in this movie now, because it's a train wreck, and morally reprehensible, arguably, but, I don't know, that dude's kind of a Generations Flash, the same way yeah. Tom Welling was kind of a Generation Superman. I mean, we talked about that, we talked about that, how, like, they should have just slotted him in when they were having all the problems with Ezra Miller, like... yeah. But, but you know, maybe it's better he avoided this. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. This, well, this movie, honestly, this movie never should have been made. No, it shouldn't have. Like this is there's this is such an idiot. You know what? Here's how bad of an idea this was. Um, I'm, just, I'm I went to a wedding over the weekend. I was just talking to a random person. We started talking movies, and they were like, "You see the Flash?" And I was like, "No," and they were like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And then they, this is like an average person. Like, they couldn't get, like, Captain Cold in the movie. Like, they couldn't get one of his villains. And I'm like, yeah, that guy's right. Like, you should have just had a regular Flash villain. It should have just been a Flash movie. Yeah. It's, like, it's wh- the first so fucking hard about that. Flash movie ever. And this is what you do? Like, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I I hope that we can all come together and recognize that Flashpoint as a story just kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, uh, there's writer Zach Stentz, who wrote X-Men First Class, worked on on the team, the writers on the Flash TV show, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He talked about how when they... Because season two of The Flash, it ends with the Flashpoint starting. They they do like, oh, we're doing that next season. In the writer's room for season three, he talked about how, yeah, everyone's going over ideas like this was going to last the whole season. And then everyone's like, well, it's, it's kind of not that interesting because you know where it's all going to end. He has to undo it to go back. And it's like, yeah, okay, but we can still make that interesting. All right. And so they're putting all their ideas together for like the, the length and like longevity of the story to like really explore what that means to the character of Barry Allen and with the supporting cast around him. And it's like, well, it's not really going to matter to these other people because they're going to get reset. Okay, it's just kind of about Barry. Okay, let's instead of making it like a season, let's make it eight episodes. Ah, let's make it four episodes. <laughs> we can condense it. I think there's like half an hour of material here. <laughs> and they, they were just kind of like, apparently had a moment where it was just like, I, I think this is just the first episode of next season. And it, it, it was. And at the time, as I was watching that, I was like, what? Why would you just do that? Several years removed from it, I'm like, 
Maybe you shouldn't have even done that part of the show. Yeah. Like, it's not even bad the way they do it in the show. It's not that interesting. It It's, it's just, like, bizarre. It's yeah. like, no, this is kind of pointless. Is, what the fuck? Is Jeff John's <laughs> name anywhere on this Flash movie? Yeah, I think so. Because, like, he was, I mean, he, they had him in charge of the, the, last... the DC stuff for a little bit. Um, it felt like when he took over whatever DC was trying to do, all of the stories he had done got elevated a little bit. Like, everywhere across the board, it was like, yeah. we, gotta do, we gotta adapt his stuff. And Jeff Johns is occasionally a good idea person, but, like, the stories aren't that engaging, and they're it, difficult to adapt. And it is shocking that, like, Flashpoint got elevated, considering it is maybe the worst thing Jeff Johns has ever written. Yeah. And it was, like, a oh thing that God. accidentally, like, became the reboot for the entire DC Universe. Yeah, and it kind of sucks that people use it as like the Flash story now. Yeah, it's it that's idiotic. It's barely a story. Yeah, like, but that was also I mean no like this is they the thing that was just a huge mistake where they they should never have brought this is a this is a nerd comic discussion but they should never have brought Barry Allen back as the Flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, you know what. You're so right, and I think that's why Jeff Johns is like kind of one of the banes of my existence too. He is also emblematic of everything wrong with this, like the, the superhero stuff, where it's like you can't have change. I want to, I want the characters I grew up with back, and they, they have to be the same, so I can play with them now. I need to play with the toys that I had back then. Well, he's so uh, weird because other will... kids can't have toys; I, they're mine. He will do that, but he will also radically change certain characters in a way that, like I. I think it's really idiotic that, like, Maxwell Lord is such a big presence in the DC universe. I don't think Maxwell Lord's that interesting of a character. Mm. And he was never really a supervillain at the start. Like, he, like John's made him one. And then he somehow becomes the main villain of fucking uh, Wonder Woman 2, you know? Like, yeah. which is like, how did that happen? Well, here, to go back to the CW Arrowverse stuff, <laughs> Maxwell Lord's in the first season of Supergirl... He's an antagonist, and then becomes a reluctant ally, and then like kind of apologetic, and never appears in the show again. Yeah, and I think it's just because they're like, oh yeah, there's not really that much you can mine out of this character. Mm-hmm. Let's just bring in Lex Luthor eventually, and they did, and it was great. Yeah, but it was like you know, it some of these things have like major limitations because it's just not that interesting outside of a moment or two. But yeah, like he's got a weird fixation on certain things but i think it, i really think the flash rebirth thing was just that green lantern rebirth worked much better you know mm-hmm. that bring hal jordan back another character who's not that interesting but the green lantern rebirth thing at least had the extra element of it brought back the entire green lantern core you know mm-hmm. and so they were like well, let's let's do the same thing with the flash and then it's like well it's, it hasn't did they find did they go back to wally west recently I'm not sure. I'm really tapped out of DC and Marvel stuff lately. Yeah. The only stuff I know is Spider-Man stuff, and that's because people are fucking rioting <laughs> in the streets <laughs> over the, the bullshit they're pulling. And I feel comfortable saying that, having not read a single Marvel comic in like, what almost the hell? a decade at this point. What the hell just happened where like two kids just died or something in those yeah, comics? Uh, Com- they killed off Miss Marvel, uh, who is barely a supporting character. Apparently she only has like 23 pages of dialogue in the last several years mm. in the Spider-Man comic. Mm-hmm. And they kill her off in that comic, but her supporting cast hasn't really responded or reacted to it. Mm-hmm. 
And they'll bring her back, though. Like. Oh, no. Yeah, that's the thing. They're totally going to bring her back. They're going to give her the power she has in the movies to make them, well, fucking coalesce or whatever. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be some rebranding thing. Like, Yeah. It's just, also what happens when you run out of s- story ideas. Like, yeah. like, Kamala Khan, like, was really great when she, like, first appeared. But, like, at a certain point, you just run out of stuff to do, right? You know? Mm-hmm. But they can't get rid of the character because she's in a fucking movie that's coming out, apparently. So... They have to do, oh, she died, so we get some headlines. Yeah. But. She'll come back in November when the movie comes out. Who's writing, who's writing Spider-Man right now? A guy named Zeb Wells. Oh, okay. What happened to Dan What's-His-Face? Like, I know he left and then took, came back. Uh, Dan Slott is coming back. He is currently prepping the Spider-Boy comic. Oh, That's okay. the, the depth of his knowledge mm-hmm. and ideas. Spider-Boy, number hey. one. What are you gonna do? I don't know. I, I, Peter and Mary Jane are divorced because, or they're separated because drama. She, she got trapped in an alter. This is this is real. I'm gonna. Okay. I told you I was gonna explain the Flash to you, but it doesn't really matter at this point. This is Spider Man. Um, the the this because also this is gonna just fucking like blow your mind. So Peter and MJ, from my understanding, get sent to like an alternate Earth, right? Because they have those multiverse whatever fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um. And then Peter gets sent back, and he's like, I'm gonna, or, yeah, he gets sent back to 616 Earth, and he's like, I'm gonna find you, right? Fucking last of the Mohicans type shit. Like, we'll just stay alive, whatever. And she meets a guy there. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, but he, she meets a guy, and they, uh, they start surviving in this, like, post apocalyptic wasteland together, right? They fall in love, they find a pair of kids, and they start raising them as their own. And so when Peter comes back, it's only been like a day or something for him, and it's been years for her and him. So she's like, you know, I've moved on. It's like, sorry, it doesn't work anymore. And then that's like the precipice of the drama for them to be separated. They literally had to create like an entire other universe to cause problems for them because they've already run through every other like logistical issue they could throw at them by literally like having him make a deal with the devil, yeah. you know, with one more day back then. This is embarrassing. That was such a sweaty explanation. My brain stopped letting new information in at a certain point. Yeah. Like, I just started going, like, I just, like, totally zoned out. <laughs> like, it's You know what? It's fine. This is why people hate comics. Like, this... No, it really is. It really is. These fucking people, they're, they're trying to, like, keep their universes all, like, canonical and shit like that. I also like think that. this or... is why comic book nerds are, like, so psychotic. Because it's yes. like it's a sunk cost fallacy. Like you can't at a certain point you can't admit you've spent this much money on issues and trade paperbacks and all this stuff, and then suddenly the story gets fucking weird out of nowhere and really bad. You can't admit like it's bad. You can't admit that like oh this is this was pointless to get to spend that much money on all this. Like you have to suddenly like double down on everything, and I mean. I you know I I I think when the new Fifty Two happened, it basically broke me, and I was like, oh, this is a waste of time reading these comic books, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was really the last time I read comics that regularly, and that was over a decade ago at this point. Um, but like, if you stuck with it, you get I don't know, you must get like really weirdly defensive about it, because um, like you're so caught up in what is correct and what isn't and canon. And continuity, 
which will no, is I, relevant. It's, it's true. People really do get defensive about that. So I, I had, you know, I, I'll ask you about what's happening in Spider-Man comics on Twitter once in a while, right? Because I'm not on Blue Sky yet. Yeah. Uh, anyone out there, if you've got a code? Yeah, um, yeah, we would like a code, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, so Peter... There's also this element of this story where Peter did something that made the other superheroes mad at him and they don't trust him anymore. Again, yeah. Again, we, I think we had the discussion uh, off mic, but the stupid... You, they have to keep finding convoluted reasons for why Spider-Man can't just work with all the other superheroes. Yeah. And so someone came into my, my replies and being like, well, you know, they haven't explained it yet. You know, they're going to get to it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I haven't read it. But, like, that wasn't what I was asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just wanted to know, like, what the, the thrust of the drama was, you know? Yeah. Because stories need, like, an engine to get you from point A to point B. You, you, you can't describe the engine and not start the vehicle. And it's so crazy when, like, on paper, superheroes should have the simplest plots of all time, right? Yeah. Like, it should just be like, there's a bad guy. He's robbing the bank with his new device. Stop him. Like... Yeah, or, like, in the case of Spider-Man, like, oh, a mad science experiment went wrong. Yeah. There may or may not be a connection between you and the antagonist. You should sort out your personal drama and see how it, like, interconnects with the action. Yeah. That is the precipice of, like, every great Spider-Man story. Yeah. In in all versions of fiction. Mm-hmm. That's the baseline. But instead we get... Uh, people, people have trouble with that, though. We got this, like, nonsense of just, like, multiple universes and devils and continuity. Yeah. So I, I, I did... A discussion on the across the Spider Verse with Gene and our buddy Jack Godwin from uh, that '90s Spider-Man show. So, I just want to jump into Across the Spider Verse and say you can check out more of my thoughts over there. So I don't want to spend too much time. Wait a minute, ask no, you. I know you what don't you want thought. to, but please tell me what happens in the Flash movie. All right, fine. We'll get to Across the Spider Verse. Sorry, second. I just want to um, know. I it's fine. Know what no, happens. no, it's fine. So it's actually funny that you mentioned the bank robbery thing because that's how the movie opens. Great, Batman. And Wonder Woman are stopping like a a bank heist that goes wrong. Somehow it ends with like it ends up with like a hospital like falling apart, and so Barry Allen has to use his super speed to save the babies. And I've seen this clip because it circulated on Twitter a lot, where he's running out of energy uh, because he's not eating enough, so he has to consume food while saving babies that are falling out of the sky because the hospital is like blowing up or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they get to the sky. I, I gotta be honest, I just get... I, I'll be honest, I like, on paper, yeah. babies flying through the air that the Flash has to catch does kind of sound fun. Yeah, yeah, but I've also seen the VFX for the movie. Yeah, I have too, I, so... I, oh, yeah, I gotta say, I gotta say, people being like, oh, well, we made it that way because it was um, a stylistic decision to show Barry Allen's uh, vision of the speed force. No, no, we've all seen unfinished VFX before, it's fine. <laughs> No, no one would give a shit if the movie was good. That's the truth, okay? It's just, it, it doesn't look good. It looks bad. Um, Sorry. That's all. Anyways, so he saves the babies, and then um, people made fun of him putting one in the microwave. Uh, but you see the clip, he's actually hiding, he's like covering it from an explosion. Yeah. Like fire, because... Uh, that made sense, I don't know. It's just a weird fucking image, baby in that a microwave. That feels like an Andy Machete joke. It does. Like, based on what I've seen in his other work, so. Yeah, like, the chapter two bit with the, uh, just call me Angel in the morning. Yeah. 
No one understands why that needle to drops in the movie. To this day, no one understands why. Yeah, I would like him. I would sit him down and be like, "What was that? Look at me when I'm talking to you. What was that?" Um, sorry, I don't know why I have such a visceral reaction to that movie. Um, so that's the opening of the movie, right? And then there's like a heart to heart with Batman and Barry, obviously, because that's what happened to Flashpoint. And Ben Affleck tells him, uh, you know, you can't change the past. The scars uh, make us who we are. Um, I, I think that's it's decent enough sentiment coming from a Batman. And uh, th- that's fine. Then, you know, Barry's like, fuck that. I want to go change the past. Flashpoint happens. Um, I'm just going to jump to the stuff that's really weird. Because I think you, we all know the structure of the movie, basically. Yeah. Just because of marketing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it gets really weird. When he goes back in time, and I think he loses his powers. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. This and sounds awful. The, the All past, this is bad. <laughs> the past version of Barry gets his powers, I think. And so he has to relearn uh, by teaching the other Barry uh, the, the capabilities of the Speed Force and stuff like that. And he's like, well, I got to go find Batman to get me help. That's how you meet Michael Keaton. Um, if I'm getting any of this wrong, obviously tell me because this is like hilarious. If it, if I'm like just completely uh-huh. misunderstanding the, the the structure of this movie, and from there they're like, well, we uh, uh we got to work together because now Zod's here because it's 2013 and um Zod went to Earth to find Superman, right, to to kill Clark Kent because Man of Steel is canonical to this universe. Michael Shannon gets to come back, which I actually thought was pretty funny. Hear him talk about it. Yeah, he's that, he his like, interviews have been funny. Yeah, check those out if you're curious. Um. Because he's he just he's a very candid person, <laughs> and who really likes Zack Snyder, which I thought was was nice to see too. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I love Zack." Um, although I have questions about why Zod's there if Superman's not there. Because in that movie, a movie I, I don't even particularly enjoy, although I admire it, Zod finds Superman because he discovers the Fortress of Solitude, which is the Kryptonian ship in the Zack Snyder universe. That activates like a distress signal, if I remember correctly. He's got, and then Superman. He's got to find the codec. Yeah, well, there's the codex, and then there's also like Superman's DNA has the codex in it too to restore the Kryptonian biology or whatever, right? Ugh. It, it's, I know it's really complicated, <laughs> river, but, but okay, so all of that's there, Fucking which is already enough of a mess. So dumb, man. I know, but then. How, how I don't understand how Zod gets there. No one's really made it clear. Why is how Superman Zod, there? Like, would get there? Oh well, it's um, Supergirl now. It's Kara Zor-El, right? I don't I don't know what happens. I think it's implied that this version of Zod killed Superman as a baby, and Kara is the one that lands on Earth. So I guess in Zack Snyder's version, Kara died. I don't know. That's probably overthinking it. I bet Zack Snyder wasn't even thinking about that when he made that movie. I bet you know. I I don't think thinking was happening a lot involving this movie. Okay. <laughs> um, and my understanding is that when the big showdown's happening, because there's no Superman, you got to work a Supergirl to to stop Zod, right? Does Supergirl and- destroy all of Metropolis too? <laughs> no, no. So there's this is this is why Andy Muschietti can't direct. Um. So he uses these big wide-angle lenses, right? Yeah. Like we all see in the trailer, like it, it looks very weird and distorted. I kind of am into that look. Um, it's something different for these movies. I think the problem is 
he can't really differentiate when and when not to use them. Yeah. So the, the, the space and the volume of the areas and the landscapes are all, like, bizarrely distorted rather than interesting, you know? Like, you're watching fucking Wong Kar Wai's Fallen Angels or some shit. <laughs> um, but there's also just, like, the element of, like, because the fight is no longer in Metropolis. It's in that desert landscape when Superman's supposed to give himself up to Zod, right? Oh, so it wasn't, like, it wasn't, I was going to say, was it just the Smallville fight again? No, no, no. So it's just the desert landscape. Um, you, you don't really get, like, you, you can't play with geography that's flat. Yeah. So that's why everyone made fun of it for looking like a, a PS2 cutscene. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing else to, to bounce off of there, you know? Like, w- what a weird decision. Um, but this is the really funny part to me. So Michael Keaton, Batman... And uh, Sasha Kaye, uh, Supergirl, who I hear people really like, and I'm, I'm glad we got a brown Supergirl. I'm not, I'm taking the wins where I can get them, right? You made some comment an episode ago where you'd be like, "I'm totally fine with the Flash movie because of this decision." Yeah, life life changes you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so in that fight, they they keep losing, and so berries the berries keep reversing time while they try to to win the fight, but because of all the, the Krypton stuff and an underdeveloped Supergirl character and Michael Keaton just being a human being with bat toys. Uh, they, the characters keep dying. And so they keep redoing it, redoing it, redoing it. Every time they redo it, someone dies in a different way. And this totally wasn't their intention, but it is very funny that it was like, Oh, we, we brought in Supergirl. Finally, she, she dies <laughs> like a hundred times. And in fact, because this universe will be reset, she never saves the day. She's just there to die a lot. Wow. That was a little insulting to hear. Wow. Um, so that that goes to show that like no one really thought anything through with this movie. They were just like, let's get some Michael this Keaton back. This does Jeff Johns stink all over it. Like, yeah. I don't know how much he had an influence, but this does feel like a Jeff Johns story. It kind of does, but he didn't uh, produce it or executive produce it. I don't see credits for him on yeah, the but movie. Yeah, but this is this thing was in production so long, he had to have had some influence on it. Oh, I'm sure he did, even like un- uncredited. Yeah. But uh, we also have to remember that Ezra Miller, before their crime spree, mm-hmm. which is a thing that happened, by the way. Which is a thing that and then um, they were at the premiere, so everything's fine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, disgusting ass industry. So they pitched the story with Grant Morrison prior to their crime oh, spree. Oh, yeah, there was the Grant because... Morrison talks that happened for, like, two minutes. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it was not this story that we saw. Yeah, I, I would have basically... to imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if Grant Morrison pitched a fucking Flash movie, I want to know what that was, you know? It it probably would have been interesting, but also unfilmable. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. But I'll take that. I'll take a fucking David Lynch-level Dune over an Andy Muschietti movie anyway. I guess. Um, But yeah, that was a pitch in an attempt to usurp the film from the Game Night duo, John Francis Daly and the other guy. I'm sorry. Because they were attached to The Flash after Spider-Man Homecoming and they were no longer attached to that movie. Those guys have had a weird career. I like their work a lot. I'm there for whatever they do next. You know what? It's where they landed at the exact right place, which was that fucking... um, a D and D movie, yeah, yeah, fun movie, really fun, and it's a shame that didn't perform very well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
they I, I hope they they continue having like success other places, even though that one didn't work out. I like that. Movie Although a it, lot. the moment this movie hit, that movie hit. Talking about like digital releases and DVD, the moment that movie hit digital and DVD, it feels like it's already a cult classic. Like yeah, people yeah. are finding it and being like, "This movie rules." What the hell happened? Like, yeah. and so maybe we'll get something out of it, but mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I also want to shout out Rick Famuyiwa's version of of the Flash. Of course, this was like this was like seven or eight years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, it was going to be like kind of a, a buddy cop thing with him and Cyborg, and it would have like been about like Captain Cold and Golden Glider like being the antagonists, mm. and then would have been more street level and like how Barry's like, oh, like you're super fast, but like you know you're you're still just like a at the end of the day you are a human being and you're going to make mistakes. And been about like like this weird like conspiracy in the the um, Central City Police Department or something like that. Like I don't know. I really like to read his stuff. He's a good director. I'm kind of bummed he's just in Mandalorian land at this point. Yeah. Um. I really want him to do more interesting stuff because I, I like his work. Yeah. Um. But I'll never forget when Justice League started bombing and all the stuff started coming out about the nightmare production that had <laughs> and like all the people that got dropped from DC movies back then. He just he kind of just tweeted out the Kermit drinking tea thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, so that funny. that made me really like him even more. <laughs> Go watch Dope, everyone. Yeah, Dope's, Dope's good. That's a movie that feels like it had its moment and then people just stopped talking about it. Dope's really good. Yeah. So check that out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else do you want to know about the Flash? The, oh, the cameos with the, the dead people? All the dead psychotic back. The dead speak. Actually, they don't. <laughs> they just stand there so we can see them. And then also, Christopher Reeve's Superman universe crashes into Nick Cage's Superman universe, so I guess they're dead? Did you know that? Who makes movies? Who like I I guess after the movie came out, Andy Muschietti was like, well, you know, it's just like another version of those universes, so they could be okay. It's just like, dude, dude, <laughs> I gave you the benefit of the doubt at one point in my life, and that's probably why I'm so upset now. But what a psychotic statement! Like, then why even make a movie? Yeah. Like, what, what is anyone doing here? This costs like five hundred million dollars or something mm-hmm. fucking crazy. At the end of the day. Everyone who says no, it actually costs like two hundred million. No, no, no. You gotta adhere marketing costs, reshoot costs. They were working on this thing till like the last minute. It was well, the other dick. thing. Weird thing about it is that uh, like Christina Hodson is like the one credited writer for this movie. There's no way that's true. Yeah, like from what I heard, like all reports that it's been, it was like constantly being rewritten because it has none of the vibes of other, or other stuff. But yeah, like if anything, too. She seems to have, like, a, a great sense of structure. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to love Although Bumblebee there was the and fucking Birds When Prey. Birds of Prey came out and suddenly everyone forgot how nonlinear storytelling worked. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember when that I'm happened? Fucking... Yeah, I do. That was strange. That was a strange moment. And, like, you know, she wrote Bumblebee, which is, like, not, like, a fucking, like, great movie, but it's, like, a perfectly serviceable one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. someone just went, what if we did the Iron Giant, but with fucking bumblebee and it's like that's probably the right choice like and actually to be fair the other credited writers john francis daly and jonathan goldstein oh, they like all credited, about, i did not realize yeah they uh, it's like the colin trevorrow thing where they did basically a lot of work even uh, if none of it's on the screen uh, um apparently they, they said some of it was on the screen but like i don't think flashpoint was their thing uh-huh. um 
someone named Joby Harold. His picture Ooh, doesn't look it. very good on uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. Looks very uh, angry. His other credited work is Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which I, I like. Um, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Uh, Awake, the Hayden Christensen, Jessica Alba thriller mm. from 2007, which I think we've actually brought up before. Yeah, I we had it brought it up in like the like attempt to make Hayden Christensen a movie star era. Yeah. I, I, I like that movie. Um, you like then, Awake? I do like Are Awake. Are you drunk? No, I have coffee, though. <laughs> uh, and then my favorite, King Arthur Legend of the Sword, which has, like, 2,000 writers. So. Yeah. You know, this, this not movie not very good. No, no. Not very good. No. Uh-oh. Well, no, that movie is good. That movie, The Flash is not good. I, I bet. I don't know. Again, we're talking about a movie we haven't seen. I, I don't feel the need to see it. What about I, Transformers I Rise of the Beasts? Um, no Bayhem, no Wayhem. Am I right? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking beat you to death with a tire iron. You fuck. <laughs> I don't know. People seem to like it because it's less vulgar. Yeah. Which is fine. Which is probably the sane reaction Well, some people just want their toys to look fun, you know? Yeah. They just want it to be fun. And, like, you can get away with that for, like, one movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Um, so, who knows about the returns on that. What's going on at Paramount? They're doing a bad job releasing movies this year. <laughs> yeah. Scream 6 was, like, a monster hit. But it was, like, a monster and hit. But, like, that was, that like, was you it. felt like they did that on accident. <laughs> like... Yeah, because, like, it's so fucking weird. Here's the thing. Same thing happened with Scream 1 to Scream 2. Huge hit, right? Scream 5, huge hit. Didn't love it, but it was a huge hit. Scream 6 comes out, like, barely a year after. Like, maybe just over a year later. Yeah. So they fucking fast-tracked a sequel before the movie was even out. Now, silence. Nothing. Yeah. No plans. It's like... Obviously, they want to do another one, but it's like the the Radio Silence director guys, like they've moved on to, um, not moved on, but they're working on another movie prior to the writer's strike um, that that they're going to shoot like in Ireland or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's their next project. Not a word about a Scream 7. Mm-hmm. Whether you want it or not, like that's not, that's not the, the point here. Like just dead silence. And I, I don't know why. Like was from Scream 2. To Scream 3, there was a big gap, too, like, by three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that one feels like just Harvey Weinstein fucking... The Weinstein guys just, just dicking around yeah. and shit. This one I genuinely don't know. So I'm willing to bet it is a mess over at Paramount. Because Transformers, uh, whatever, 9 or whatever, yeah. isn't, like, a big hit either. Like, it's it's doing okay. But it's not, like... None of these have lived up to the box office returns of and the And it feels films. like they release it, like, a week before some other big movie, you know? Yeah, and like I think it was like Spider Verse or something came out like the week before yeah. or after it. And then Dungeons and, uh, and Dragons yeah. is in the middle right there, and it's only released like two weeks after Scream Six. Oh shit! I forgot Dungeons and Dragons was Paramount. Yeah, they released it because they they got the Hasbro deal right now. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, they're like in trouble. They push they push Dungeons and Dragons fairly hard, but like then they just like botched the actual release. Yeah. That, that there's a lot of factors that might have played into that. Maybe you just can't sell a movie called Dungeons and Dragons, you know? 
Uh-huh. Maybe well, that's I mean, I don't know if you remember, like, the trailers and stuff. There were a lot of them, but I was like, it looks like they're kind of just doing a Thor Ragnarok riff. Well, I, here's uh, here's no joke. Here's When I saw the first trailer for Dungeons & Dragons, had no idea there was a D&D movie even coming, right? Uh-huh. Like, I may have heard vague rumblings, but, like, didn't pay attention. I'm watching it, and it's like, oh, it's first, I'm like, oh, it's Chris Pine. Glad he's back. And it's like, oh, he's in a fantasy setting. That's interesting. I haven't seen him do that. And, like, I'm watching the trailer, I'm like, this is this actually looks pretty good, and then it goes Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and it made me. It was weird. It like had a weird deflating effect, and I'm not even like anti Dungeons and Dragons or anything. It was just like suddenly I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean that's a D and D movie? Yeah, well, like for me, I was just like, oh, they don't know how to sell this. It must be a mess. And then you see the movie, and it's just like a normal fucking movie. Yeah, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, why did why did they try so hard to make it like look confusing? Like it's it's a pretty straightforward movie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand anything anymore. But uh, uh Paramount, I don't know what the fuck. And now there's like, a story they're, they're about they're Tom, Cruise on Tom Cruise being pissed off that Mission Impossible whatever uh comes out just one week before the Oppenheimer Barbie pile up. <laughs> like like, I, I don't know how legit that is. I wouldn't be shocked if it was true. I wouldn't be shocked if it was just to, to build up anticipation for Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't know. But, um, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of that story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because, like, to, to what end? You know, like, nothing's going to change about those. Like, they're not going to push that movie back another year. I mean, to, well, to I think it, it, I, I, it might just be like a too late thing. I mean, but he could still be angry about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's really good in Collateral. I always think about that performance. He is. Oh, hey, I just got yeah. added to some fucking uh, Twitter group that's about cryptocurrencies. Oh, congratulations. Block! There you go. <laughs> that's exactly what I want to hear. Uh, site's going I'm looking at my... Site's going to yeah. hell. I'm looking at my list of favorite movies from 2023 so far. And I've liked a lot of movies I've seen in theaters. Like, most of them. Yeah, you know what? I've hit a bit of a rut with movies, but there was a, it was a strong start to the year. Um, that was that was my next point. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then Across the Spider-Verse. And I guess I'm watching Indiana Jones this weekend? At the time of recording? Yeah. Does it come out this weekend? I don't know. Um, yeah. Up until like May, and I was traveling for a lot of May, and I, I only saw Guardians three in theaters again. But like nothing, I'm rushing out to see. And now it does look like it's kind of like a dead stone. Yeah. Um, which is why maybe that's why Across the Spider Verse has also gotten such a rapturous response. It's also the only good movie like in theaters right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> what did you think of Across the Spider Verse? Um, I liked it. I'm not as okay. like over the moon about it though as everyone else. Um, I, I've got I got hangups mainly go just because it's like it it's a two parter, you know, mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of a like. It's hard to judge a movie that doesn't totally have an ending. <laughs> that being said, of the movies I've seen that have cliffhanger endings, it's one of the better ones I've seen. Um, but. Yeah, I liked it. I'm not like in love with it though. Okay. It might it might I might come around to it once the next part comes out. 
but also it was like it was because it's also like a lot of the super heavy stuff is the stuff that didn't get resolved, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how I don't know how they're gonna bring it in for a landing totally, and there's a lot of ways it could go, and some of them maybe wouldn't be very good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's the show, everyone. Yeah, you know I really it's shocking. I actually don't have a lot to say about Across the Spider Verse. That's okay. I still do. Other than oh. <laughs> the animation was genuinely incredible, um, and I was like. I was at times like blown away by it. Um, all the stuff that was good about the first Spider Verse is still good here as well. Um, they basically kept everything that worked, um, but there is there does feel like a bit of a step up in the animation. And the first one had great animation. So, yeah. Uh, voice acting. I was you know I talked about uh, I had a problem with like I was worried with all this like. Spider-Verse talk that they were losing kind of the heart of the Spider-Man character were like, why can't he deal with like street level stuff? You know, like mm-hmm. why and and they actually found it a way to thread that needle really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Which was like actually like genuinely surprising, considering how much uh No Way Home just botched it, you know. Mm-hmm. By the way, worth reiterating, No Way Home only exists because of the Spider-Verse movie. Yeah. I don't know why more people aren't like pointing that out more often. I know some nerds just don't care. They're just like, oh, Toby's back. And I'm someone who should absolutely be one of those people. But I have enough self-respect that I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's very strange to me. Uh, so the, the street level thing you're referring to, like, we, we see a lot of Miles uh, struggling to, to fit in with his community again, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we also get the, the spot I think what makes them thread that even like more fascinating to me is the fact that the spot kind of starts off as a joke. And by the end, he's like this cosmic entity. Yeah. It's like ominous. And he's like, see you back at home, Spider-Man. And it's like, whoa, the, the elevation of that character <laughs> through the movie is like really impressive to me. And you know what uh, <laughs> I heard that spot was not going to be in the movie initially mm-hmm. un- un- until the suggestion of one. Avi <laughs> and the world's united in their their application of the meme. I'm sorry, I wasn't familiar with your game like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so weird. It's considering that the other time he did this totally derailed another movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like Avi Arad redemption arc. Eh? Look, he, he's not a worthless producer. I mean, look, he's a lot of Spider-Man villains have redemption arcs. Yeah. So it makes perfect yeah. sense. This is his Doc Ock moment. Yeah. You know? He won't die a monster. He will in the next movie, though. Oh. <laughs> I mean, who knows what's happening with that next movie at this point? Yeah, that's a whole yeah. other can of worms. We'll get there. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I did. I fucking loved the spot in this. Uh, there's, I don't remember which Daredevil comic. I think it's a Chip Zdarsky Daredevil comic where Daredevil sees the spot and they illustrate it really quickly and it's just like horrifying. Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, a, a fucking Junji Ito comic. <laughs> um, although the spot kind of just looks like that already. Yeah. Uh, but like even more so. And I was like, man, that's scary. You could make something scary with the spot. They won't though. <laughs> and boy, was I wrong. Um, but I also like maybe my favorite little like like moment in the movie is when he's like, "You 
created me and I created you. And then Miles' dad's like, Spider-Man, why'd you create that guy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think the really kind of sells this this as as a Spider-Man story to me is like, how Miles as a character, and this is this is in all versions of, of Miles Morales as a character that that kind of I think gives him his his edge. Um, besides just being another Spider Man alongside Peter Parker, is that he's much more involved with his community. Like Peter Parker's got communities, but it's less so. You know what I mean? Because he's a white guy, <laughs> and and Miles Morales, I, I think he's got this. There's a real sense of camaraderie with yeah. the people in his life I should say, outside of the superhero stuff. I should say white people used to have communities. <laughs> when, when, gotta, when, oh, gotta defend. No, well, the, there was a time where not all white people were considered white people, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There was the Italian communities, there was the Greek communities, there were the Jewish communities. There were all sorts of different whites in their communities. And then we, then, uh, we gave black people the right to vote and then white people decided let's unite to stop that from happening <laughs> yeah you got you got your variety of whites you got the the white the beige <laughs> the moderately tan hey got some italian representation there yeah <laughs> well the spot's italian because jason schwartzman i know yeah schwartzman's italian <laughs> I don't. It, I just assume you're a Coppola. Oh yeah, I guess if you're a Coppola, Coppola. You gotta be. So yeah. unless he's been lying this whole time, he's actually like from British Columbia. Half Polish, Jewish, half Italian. All right. Well, I got a nice little. There you go. That's your. That's your mixed white. Yeah. <laughs> you see, we accept everyone who kind of looks white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until we don't need them anymore. <laughs> I will say, because I, I mentioned in the, the last episode I did on this about hangups, I got, I think, another one I didn't really nail right away. Um, in the first movie, there's this great sense of Miles as a character where he's expressing himself through his, his art and his street art. And that's how he kind of comes into his own spider identity, right? It's like the marriage of the superhero with the artistic side that allows him to really become this new sort of cultural icon frankly like yeah. I mean, that that sp- first spider-verse movie is iconic and this one's kind of steadily becoming just as like notable I yeah think, online it is interesting that um, miles is kind of building in a way where like you could totally see miles just being spider-man without peter parker in the future mm-hmm. uh, i'll just say right now there was a lot of discussion about like oh miles is never going to be like not even from like outright racist. I think this comic <laughs> nerds accidentally stepping into that. They're like, no, Miles will, will never usurp Peter Parker. Peter Parker hasn't fucking done shit in like thirty years. It is totally understandable if Miles Morales becomes the identifier. Isn't Spider-Man. like the most interesting thing Peter Parker's done in like the last thirty years in the comics is like die and Doc Ock went into his body. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like that story starts like really strange and off-putting and unfortunately very rapey. And then by the end, it's like this ultimate love letter to how great Peter Parker is. And I love that ending. But I'm also like, yeah, it's just about how great Peter Parker is. You don't... That, that was it. That was like a side one-off story, basically. <laughs> this... Well, I was, I was... Here's the thing. I was actually making a point with the community thing, which is that like it went, during... Peter Parker as a character's inception, there were more, there was more of a community thing. Like there were more local stuff, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and that has steadily gone away and it makes more sense for a character like Miles Morales to have 
the community that like it's harder to identify with Peter Parker in this day and age than it is Miles Morales, you know? Yeah. Like Miles is much closer to what the youth is than Peter Parker is now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good argument that maybe like you know, I'm not saying like fucking kill Peter Parker. I would never advocate for that honestly, but like maybe let the guy retire a little bit and let the new kid take over and it would totally be fine. Yeah. yeah. And to get back to to another point that I was making with the Miles thing um cuz this is one of the slight beefs I have but again maybe resolved with the third movie mm-hmm. when it comes out. Um I was kind of okay with with Miles like as an artist and not really interested in the sciences while still being capable of being like the mm-hmm. science-minded kid, you know what I mean? Like he's talented in all aspects of life basically. That's great. I think it's such a great message to have it be like, you know, like artistic like expressions and endeavors, like that that's just as like valid of a lifestyle. That's just as valid a choice as like wanting to um spend your life in the sciences. Mm-hmm. Now I think it works if it's an extension of, hey, he just misses his spider friends and he wants to get back to them, so that's why he's so interested in the sciences versus the first movie now, mm-hmm. right? If it's just because, like, that's, like, what Spider-Man does, I find that significantly less interesting. Yeah, it, it felt, it did feel to me more just like he wants to try, like, he, deep down he wants to get back with his friends, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it felt more of that, because he, he does seem to still have more of the artist bent to everything. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, they that's didn't, the they introduction didn't of a character it. like Ned in the other movies, where, like, he's the kid in the chair, which it feels like this movie threw some shade at a little bit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I feel like that works for like he has a friend who is more the tech heavy guy, you know, like yeah. Um, but hey, yeah, which will also be in in the upcoming Insomniac Spider Man Two game. Mm-hmm. Ned will be participating in Miles' stories more proactively, hey. which I, th- I think is a, a, again a nice little addition to that universe. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, like an open secret now that Ned or Genki, excuse me, was going to be a bigger part of the first movie, which I didn't know at the time I saw it or we recorded our first Spider-Verse episode. Um, and they have said, like, yeah, they, they cut more of Genki out of that first movie mm. to basically just making him, like, a, a minor role. Yeah, it's like, he, I don't role. think he has a single line in the movie. <laughs> uh-huh, and that's because uh, Homecoming uses Ned as basically Genki. Okay. Uh which is unfortunate, I mean, but I'm also like I think it I don't even know where he goes in this movie now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, it's like it's an unfortunate thing that also may be made for a better movie. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. It's funny how stuff works out sometimes. Uh, and to the point about them throwing shade, I don't know if this was intentional, but it's like you know they set up like all these different Spider-Man villains in Homecoming that could come back and stuff like that, and they never do. <laughs> uh, even even to the point where Miles. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, Donald Glover uh, makes a cameo appearance in this as live action Prowler because mm-hmm. that is who he is in Homecoming. He's Aaron Davis in that movie, uh, and you know also partially responsible for the creation of Miles. But isn't a lot of the stuff with like trying to like the, Sony desperately wants to do a Sinister Six movie? Yeah, which is embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, it is. You're right. So, like, they keep trying to make it, they keep trying to make the Sinister Six happen, and it's just not going to happen. I know. So, they got to stop all the fucking spinoffs, man. Like, that Craven looks terrible. 
Shout out to Jason Chandler. I know. What the fuck, man? Hey, got to pay bills. I guess. Yeah, I'm sorry it came to this. I think I, 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 I'm going to tell this story as much as I can so people can hear it, but uh, I did listen to that interview with Nia DaCosta where she said she took the Marvels to pay off student loan debts and it didn't even help. Like, God damn. Yeah. Like, so that's what that's. What, I did not know that. Yeah. What a fucked up country. What a fucked up world. Yeah. 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 Having to make a Marvel movie. <laughs> no. Oh. Like, it's very privileged to get to make one, but, like, no one should have to be in that position. No, no, yeah, that, that's, that, that's fucked up, yeah. you know? I mean, um, yeah, that's really shitty. Also, this movie really feels like, more so than, uh, fucking, um, uh, No Way Home. What a bad title. <laughs> I, I know, I know. More so than No Way Home, this movie feels like it is desperately trying to make us think the amazing Spider-Man movies were actually something. I don't know about that. There, no, there was such it, an effort in this movie to be like, no, Amazing Spider-Man was important. That movie, ha- those movies happening were important. They needed to happen. Like, there's so many references to it, and it does feel like maybe Sony's trying to do that weird thing you're talking about, where it's like maybe they'll bring Amazing Spider-Man back. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been talks about that, so they can have two different Spider-Man universes. But it just felt like there was a lot of emphasis being placed on Amazing Spider-Man that like didn't need to happen. A little bit. I mean, the one thing stopping that right now is, I guess, Andrew Garfield's not interested in mm-hmm. that doing that, which is apparently something that they also tried to do for The Flash to get Christian Bale back for that last cameo. That's uh, George Clooney. I don't know if you heard about that. I did hear a little about that. Yeah, George Clooney's the, the final Batman variant in that movie, and it ends on a joke where Barry's like, who the fuck is this? And it's like, yeah, what a great way to end your fucking movie about getting over your mom's death with a George Clooney joke. I love George Clooney. It's not against George Clooney. Um, and so Christian Bale, I guess they're like trying to give him more money than God. Like, please be our fucking Batman again. And he's like, well, Christian Nolan's not involved. So no, I guess that's why they're really trying to get Nolan back into the fold. I know. Just like just do fucking Batman again. Just do fucking Batman again, please. What if, what if, you know, like how fast X might be the most expensive movie ever made. Have you been reading up on that? I have been reading. up. So on that. what if they literally were like, they went to Nolan. It's like the first billion dollar movie, but it's gotta be a new Batman movie. <laughs> God damn. I wouldn't put it past this fucking lunatic in charge of that company right yeah, now. Yeah, he's uh, not, the, not the brightest, so... No. But uh, to go back to your amazing Spider-Man bit and my homecoming bit, too, I think it's also worth noting, some people were, were commenting online about how we don't see any Tom Holland, oh, like, uh, because everyone forgot who Spider-Man was in No Way Home, obviously, and it's like, no... So there's points in the movie you reference where they see the death of Captain Stacy and Gwen Stacy mm. in those Amazing Spider-Man movies, which are bad movies still. Mm. Um, but those are what what Miguel calls canon events in this film, played by Oscar Isaac, right? Spider-Man 2099. Now, canon events are these big emotional culmination tragedies that have to happen to every iteration of Spider-Man. Or so he says, which I think is going to be a revelation in the third one. That no, not really, you weirdo. They're, they're not necessary. They're just complicated, whatever, right? We can go back to that eventually. Well, I, that we, felt we like the most shade thrown at No Way Home was the idea yeah. of canon events. It, it totally did. Yeah. But there's also the element of... This isn't even me hating what's happened with the MCU Spider-Man at all. This is just what I think is true. There's no real 
emotional moment equivalents of like the death of Uncle Ben in the first Raimi oh. one, the, the sacrifice of Doc Ock, even the death of Harry in Spider-Man 3. There's no moments like those in those movies. They tried There's... to imply that it happened off camera and then they just forgot about it. Yeah, but like there's there's just nothing there. Yeah. Like there's there's Aunt May dying in the third one, but even that one is like it's it's so like the truth is you could take that out of the movie and nothing changes. Yeah. Which is like shocking to say about a character like that, right? Or any character. If you're if your movie doesn't change uh like uh, someone dying, right? If that doesn't affect the plot of your movie, like they don't they don't need to die. <laughs> you don't need to have that at all in the movie then. Yeah. Um and I know people are going to fucking like try to kill me for saying that, but it think about it. I don't think I'm wrong. Well, that's, again, if um, you want to talk about canon events, that movie ends on that weird note where it's like Sp- he's he goes off on his own and it's this weird thing of like trying to fit Spider-Man into that box of being the loner who's always tortured by his two separate identities, which is who he's been since the 60s. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, we like it's not wrong to give him friends, right? Like yeah, how we relate to this kind of stuff has changed, you know. It's it's growth. You chose to start the story there, <laughs> which is a little weird, but it's not you. It's not the wrong thing to do, and it feels like a lot of what they're doing with Tom Holland now is trying to fit him back into this box, which is what you know. Remember when there was like a rumor for a minute they might just do Miles Morales for MCU Spider Man? Yeah, um, yeah. Like a two, and it feels like they would have just made Miles Morales fit into a Peter Parker box, you know? Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a tension in the comics as well, of, like, they just want to make him other Peter Parker. And it's like, no, we've changed. Like, our, our relationship to this character has changed, and that's not wrong. And maybe, you know, to, to make it if, to make it so strict could be... You know, I, and I guess that's the argument this movie's making, where it's like, you know, because they say, like, well, changing a canon event, it could lead to the whole universe collapsing. And there is, I mean, how much, if you change Spider-Man too much, when does he stop being Spider-Man? If you want to get, like, on a meta level about it, right? Mm-hmm. That you can do that, you know? Where it's like Superman breaking someone's neck maybe doesn't make him Superman anymore. Just to, to pick a completely random example. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, you know, there's there it, there clearly is a limit, but, like, the way it's, like, it's enforced. That seems to be the central debate of this movie for like the meta narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how where they're gonna land with it exactly. Um, it feels like they're doing just they're gonna just run the Matrix sequels, which I've seen a lot of comparisons to. Which I do honestly, having seen it, I do think are appropriate. Uh, yeah, but, I definitely came out saying like, oh, uh, Sp- uh, Spider Verse Reloaded. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it, to the point where it we're a hundred percent getting. Canon event is going to be the red pill of the future. Like, well, there's already fucking memes about that. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw that one TikTok video where someone like this this young girl videoed her boyfriend and her best friend play fighting, and oh, she was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you know what? I when they fight like sibling on that because it was honestly like I'm like this is weird. Like, yeah, this is I just I just have to say immediately because I saw that TikTok before it hit like Twitter. And every comment was like, no, 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 it's a canon event. Like, we can't interfere. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is fucking brutal. Yeah. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought that was too funny not to bring up. And then someone else <laughs> reminded them of Sammy. That's Fabian what I saw. <laughs> that it was, the, it was the Spielberg thing. Like, 
That was bad. Um, best of luck to the that trio of friends. Yeah, uh, I hope that's not what's actually happening. That would be incredible if we were all wrong mm. and they were actually very wholesome. Mm. Go with God. Just uh... or that's a canon event. Um, no, but see what I mean? Like it's it's totally bleeding into like the cultural lexicon. I don't think people really quite understand what the movie's saying with it. Because mm. um, they're like, oh, I'm going to step on a Lego and it's a canon event. Like, that's a little funny. I don't I don't think that's what the movie well, we is, can all, is we saying. All, it, exactly. It's always funny, but I'm just saying, like, ten years from now, there's going to be a reactionary group called, like, Cannon Fodder or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be like, we're here to enforce canon events. And what we consider canon events is that you shouldn't mix the races. And they're going to be like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> that's 100% what's going to happen. Was it you who said 9-11 was a canon yeah, I, event? Well, yeah, because that's just on brand for me. Like, <laughs> it is the defining moment of my life. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but my canon event is getting ulcerative colitis, which isn't that exciting. <laughs> Every Macaringo in every other universe has gastrointestinal problems. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, the universe will collapse. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but oh, before you get too much of a become too much of a self-martyr, I think it's also worth noting that. I find that the the best Spider-Man stories end up being the ones where the spider character ends up rejecting that self-martyrdom. Yeah. Right? And I think even though, like, the the character's suffering basically makes for some of the most popular memes on the internet. Mm -hmm. Again, because, like, canon events, it's very funny. Um, But I think the better stories in the Spider-Man mythos, Spider-Person mythos, they understand that the like the struggles and the tragedies don't have to like really define the character as much as they inform them, you know. Mm-hmm. So like when everyone's saying like in the first movie, for example, in Into the Spider Verse, all the different Spider People are saying like, you know, you don't get to save everyone. Like for me, it was my Uncle Ben, it was Uncle Benjamin. And it's like okay, well, it's all kind of the same thing, you know what I mean? But they're all still their own people, and I think this movie is such a great continuation of that thread. Where it's basically Miles just like rejecting it. Like, what these are arbitrary rules that you're using to make sense of this universe, mm-hmm. the many universes in this movie. I think that's such a great like conflict, especially because the multiverse is every fucking franchise now and no one gives a shit yeah. about it anymore. This is, I mean, this is the real also bonus genius of this movie. It's everything I don't want to see in a Spider Man movie done the best possible yeah. way ever. That was what was kind of all of this is such bullshit in the comics, (laughs) and I'm having like visceral emotional reactions Mm -hmm. when Spider Man's parents are are struggling to connect with them because he can't open up about who he is. You know, (laughs) he's scared of opening up about who he's he's growing up to be. And then also, it's it's just very funny when there's a bunch of different animation styles clashing and breaking the the what I thought was possible in Western cinema. There's something so like the initial wave of this movie was like overwhelming, overwhelmingly positive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't really noticed the second wave about the movie itself, but I'm honestly kind of surprised because in uh, there are two shots in the movie 
um, two separate ones where in the background there are very prominent signs for trans lives matter <laughs> and black lives matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, the moment people notice that, this is going to become like Spider-Man across the groomer-verse. <laughs> and I was just surprised that hasn't happened yet. I, I think it's just too good. I guess. <laughs> like, no, no, because that's never stopped these fuckers. They don't. Yeah. They don't really care about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know why either. Maybe it's just throwing too much at the audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like this is the thing. I do think it's a little less well like written than the first one. I think it's much messier. I don't. Know. I actually Everything... thought it was a little better than the first one. Really? Yeah, I okay. felt it kind of be a step up. The problem is, of course. That it doesn't really have an ending, which is a problem. Like, mm-hmm. and I kind of have to just be like, "Well, wait and see what the next one is." Like, uh, yeah, which is always the big concern nowadays. Yeah, like, I don't like doing that either. I mean, they could totally facepalm, right? Like, they could totally just mm-hmm. faceplant and just fuck the whole thing up. But, um, hey, what's the what's with the people being upset about Ben Riley? <laughs> oh. I don't know. I think everyone's really defensive over those 90 characters because for all the the support I want to give to us younger millennials and the youth younger than us too, I do think we are very embarrassing a lot of the time. Because we're like, oh, we're breaking generational trauma. We're breaking bounds. Hey, why'd you insult Ben Riley? <laughs> What's wrong with Ben Riley? The, the guy who's notorious for, like, having one good Spider-Man. Not even... Well, maybe that's a stretch. Uh, the the Clone Saga has an interesting ending. Yes. And people like Ben Riley because he's got a hoodie. Ben Riley. And, yeah. I mean, I guess there's, there's kind of just a character with Ben Riley, but also... Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I also saw people upset that Peter Parker... Was like um, they they said they like made him like a dweeb this time and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> what are you talking what <laughs> what are you even complaining about like if anything this is like a radical like evolution of it like he gets to be a dad finally yeah. and this one looks like it's gonna stick yeah for once <laughs> for once he gets to be a loving husband and father has this ever happened <clears throat> I felt like something has to go wrong here. They're going to kill a kid or something. Like, I was so paranoid watching this that they were just going to fuck up, like, a genuinely interesting direction for Peter Parker. <clears throat> now, I will say the one thing I don't really buy is that he would go along with Miguel and turn on Miles. And they've left it open enough um, when him and Miles have that moment while he's on the run. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't call them. I didn't call them. Right? <clears throat> they've left it open enough that it could be his fault that he just didn't check his watch or he did call them that I'm like, I'm so interested in where that goes. I just don't know if I really buy him going along with all of this. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's dad just changed me. him. Maybe I could see yeah. that, you know, now he has this perspective. Mm. I, I think I, this is one of the ones I have to see the third one. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing is that like, it, yeah, and I'll say the best cliffhanger ending since, like, Empire Strikes Back, like, it's a terrific kind of, like, this is a good place to stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to the point where, like, as the movie was continuing, I was like, I, I don't want this 
to end. Yeah. And then it does. And I'm like, okay, that was probably enough because this was almost two and a half hours long. Yeah, I did not know that it was two and a half hours going into it, by the way. Um, I expected did you, did you feel a 90-minute animated film. <laughs> oh. And then I was like, wow, there's a lot happening here. <laughs> but, um, hey. The only other knot they have to untangle is uh, the uh, the the prominent cop characters. Yeah, I mean it's interesting that Miles had a Black Lives Matter sticker on his wall behind him, and his father is a cop. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. who knows what's going on there? Yeah, maybe that's just the third rail they just don't want to touch. But it is a little difficult. <laughs> yeah, because like that is one of the things that could just. Although Break a big part of it is uh, Gwen's, uh, uh, who is it in Gwen's universe? Father. Yeah, Gwen's father. He left the Force, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they're building towards. Because I mean, what is I mean, the yeah. what is the multiverse Spider Authority but a bunch of cops? Yeah, so. yeah. And you know what? I really like that too. And I, I talked about that in the other one, but I'm going to talk about it again here. Um, that the movie doesn't shy away from like, hey, Gwen's father did an act of violence towards her when she came out, basically. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people much smarter than I who have discussed the trans metaphors with Gwen stuff specifically. Um I've seen some people I'll just say I've seen some people try to like like I guess from like a well meaning place, like try to like dampen those fires of like that discussion. Mm-hmm. But I'm like the Spider Man as a character is totally about like your like your own bodily autonomy, you know, like Mm -hmm. coming to your own truth as to who you are. Like it is a hundred percent that. So like it, it's, it's not a, you're reading too much into this type thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's totally appropriate. Yeah. Also Gwen is the one who has the, the trans rights flag. Yeah. If you just want the little cherry on top of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) explanation. Um, yeah, but they don't shy away from like the real like brutality of that moment. Yeah, basically, he he shoots at his kid. Yeah, man. it's fucking wild. Like, <laughs> yeah, it started um, so insanely heavy. Like to me, that was like a lot. <laughs> no, it was, it was, and this is coming right after Italian Vulture. <laughs> yeah, Italian Vulture, which is just goofy <laughs> as hell, and yeah. also the like the there's there's a lot of heavy stuff in this that kind of like. I don't know, like, it wasn't, um, I think my audience reacted really strangely to it, and I think it might have been that heaviness, you know? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't th- I'm not saying that as a complaint, it was just, I wasn't expecting it. And there's a constant tension about, like, what exactly is going on with Miles in his relationship to all the multiverse stuff, you know? There's a yeah. real sense of dread throughout most of this movie, even before you get the reveal of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just interesting for an animated Spider-Man movie. No, oh, it is. And I think this is also partly why Guillermo del Toro has like, gone so hard to bat for this movie. Because mm. like, it handles like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like You're talking about like emotionally, thematically, and just visually, obviously, which is um, what I'm sure he's also a big fan of because he believes in quote-unquote eye protein, mm-hmm. not eye candy. Um, and this is like a five-star course meal yeah. <laughs> of that shit. Um. But yeah, like the the way it handles these emotional elements, like it, it it's not lesser because it's animated. It, it's kind of another example of 
maybe these types of stories just thrive in animation yeah. where live action it, it's almost like they're cookie cutter in live action mm-hmm. you know or maybe directors who are notorious control freaks are just really attracted to animation that might also be the case and yeah you, we, we shouldn't shy away from yeah. uh, recent reports about uh, Lord and Miller or I think Lord specifically right well, cause, yeah, I think it was the one they said Lord specifically and like Christopher Miller was, like, barely there on some days. Mm. At least that was the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, um, they, I mean, watching this movie, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not even joking. Watching it, I was like, I knew a story like that was going to come out. Like, the, just the int- attention to detail, even though, like, the smallest little thing. It's like, there's no way someone didn't go insane trying to make this yeah. movie. There was a bit of a hope because there was kind of a gap between uh spider-verse it's been five years you know so mm-hmm. like i was there was maybe hope that like that extra time like was used for all that but it feels like uh no <laughs> yeah it we we can't divorce the discussion of how much mm. i like this movie and i think you, you i think maybe even liked it more if you liked it more than the first one mm. um without i like, I said I like the, the, I the struggles of it. writing was really good oh okay 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 um yeah it, it's incredibly unfortunate and someone even made like a tweet about like wow this is like the best looking movie that i bet people like kind of suffered miserably yeah. over and nerds just like went crazy against them they're like you don't know what you're talking about and i was like well n- no un- un- unfortunately um it's considering in the, the talent involved era where there's like there's the writer strike happening and we're possibly getting an actor strike but also a lot of people talk about like that animation unions like are completely different. Like that stuff is the, the rules are completely different. And time and again, like that's one of the more exploited areas, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think someone just talked about how they had, they had something like five shows in the top 10 of Netflix. They were all animated and they got royalties of like $400 for that. Like, yeah. And it is this thing of like, it, it's putting them, it's putting animation under a bit of a microscope because it, I, you feel like there is a bit of a pivot towards animation happening and part of it feels like uh, the the line between just filmmaking and animation is blurring so much because of how digital technology is going. But also, it does feel like this is a it's a cheaper way to make these movies because you get to work around union rules, you know. Mm-hmm. And the budget for this movie was, yep was one hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. My first thought was that's so fucking impressive. No one has any excuse for movies to look like dog shit anymore. Mm-hmm. My second thought, after I had a moment to compose myself, was, oh, no. Yeah. How many people did they underpay? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, uh, it's a little, and it's it's that worry of, like, like, Guillermo del Toro made that announcement of, like, that he's only going to do a few more live action movies, and he's pivoting to animation, and it feels like part of that is that he, you know, I don't know if he's thinking of it this way, but he could probably get more done through animation because they underpay the animators. I mean... That's what it comes down to, you know? Yeah. And it's 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 a shame. And uh, we have to change our relationship to capital, basically. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, it's everything we're doing is unsustainable and abusive towards workers. And uh, there is a the worry I feel is that at some point studios are going to start going like, you can't have, like people can't have their toys now because we can't abuse the workers that make them. And like you said, with people jumping down that one person's throat about like, well, you don't know anything if animators were abused. I wonder if, if it's the thing of like, 
would you rather live in a world where across the Spider-Verse exists, but workers were, you know, overworked? Or would you rather have workers, you know, be paid fairly and not driven to stress, but something like across the Spider-Verse couldn't be made as a result? And I wonder what would happen if more people got to that crossroads, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this goes for a lot of things. I mean, there are movies that are quote-unquote canonical films that were made through abuse and taking advantage of people and underpaying workers, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, hey, your favorite guy, George Lucas, a big part of how those prequels were made were to work around unions. He was financing them independently, but it still was what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, something people tend to gloss over when we talk about that guy. And it's that thing of, would you rather the, the Star Wars sequels? Would you rather the Star Wars movies not exist? Or would you rather people be paid fairly? And I think that's a question we all have to start asking ourselves. And, like, the obvious one is, yes, like, pay people fairly. But, you know, we, I think we have to change our relationship to film a lot. And I think this is a this movie's a good example, because most people are coming out of this movie raving, but now that we know what it took to make it, how do we feel? Like... And if what and now that like the other one is still in production, what's going to happen there, right? Like, mm-hmm. and Not unfortunately, only the only other arena where this sort of stuff has been tested is the video game arena. And no matter how many stories of people basically getting themselves killed to make AAA video games, uh, gamers still eat that shit up. You know, mm-hmm. like it hasn't slowed them down. So is that now just going to happen with every other entertainment industry thing? And I don't know. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not only is the next movie still in development, like it's definitely not making the next year release date. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it might not make the year after that at this point. Is that frankly. is that what the you think that's what's going to happen? I think so. Especially if there are eyes on it right now, I, it's too early to tell how many eyes are on it mm-hmm. after that that uh, THR report came out. Yeah, I think it was THR. It was someone. Um, as, but. I don't know how long it's going to be, however that movie turns out, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, honestly, and it's, it's going to be essential to keep an eye on that. Moving one. release dates is one of the harder things to honestly do in this industry right now, because it's so yeah. much about meeting shareholder expectations. Mm-hmm. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, they don't pump the brakes on this thing. And, you know, yeah. We'll see what happens. And, but also, like, yeah. we're going to see it, too, which I hate to admit it, but we probably are going to see it. Like, yeah. it's not like, it's not like, you know, we're going to be like, well, no. So, <laughs> things are, things are fucked up. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, I think you have a good point. It's, this is a, a very important movie for, Reasons I think we didn't expect going into it, yeah. frankly, that it's might be a dividing line between how movies operated in one era mm-hmm. before and how they're going to operate. I guess after. what I'm saying is that like the type of like IP driven, franchise driven way the studios are right now can will not be able to carry over to an industry where workers are treated fair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think what I'm saying is that we have to let these franchises go essentially to make just a good a safe workplace for workers, right? Mm-hmm. That's more what it's about. And now are we willing to do that? 
Yeah. And I don't And know. you know what? I to to be optimistic, I I think most people are willing to do that. Mm. Cuz look at how the, the response to the the writer strike, mm. look at the response to the other people striking. There there's like fucking chef unions that are going to go on strike yeah. apparently and stuff like that too. Like it's not just one industry anymore. It's everyone saying, "Hey, we it's it's not possible to live under the current economic conditions mm-hmm. we have had thrust upon no, us. No, we're at a breaking point like with the economy. Yeah. Like it's just where we're at. Like we're at a mm-hmm. we're at a huge breaking point. And neither party really has an answer to it. Um Yep. And it's it's an interesting moment. I think the workers thing, I think if you look at what's going on in Michigan where they've tied social issues to workers issues, I think that's the path forward because those 100% are interconnected. But I also think a lot of the support for the writer's strike, even for like, you know, people know that like VFX people are abused and you see people angry about that. But I think a lot of what you see is people going, make my toys better as opposed to don't make my toys at all if you're going to hurt people to make them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know what, if that's, if that shift will happen. Um, it's just a little, you know, it's one of those things, it's concerning. Um, yeah. But we will see where things go going forward. Um, excellent movie. I do recommend it. Um, but now that you, now that we all know these things, you know, you can make the decision about whether or not you want to pay to see it in theaters. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Interesting. Animation's gotten interesting lately, and I feel like it's just one of those things where, again, it's just going to be more about, like, I think some people are getting taken advantage of somewhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now we got that we got that fucking uh, Ninja Turtles movie, which looks like it's trying to do a Spider-Verse thing a little bit. Yeah, it looks, uh, but, like, grimier. Yeah. Because it's, like, they're mutants and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, that looks, that looks good. I like the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hope Seth Rogen isn't like a secret maniac, and he's like <laughs> sweatshops. You know, <laughs> Seth Rogen might be one of those guys. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know. Like, here's the thing: it sounds like the the Lord Miller guys they might have known what was going on. Sometimes I think these fucking creative types they just don't think about the people that actually have to make the stuff, which is its own kind of deplorable, but isn't like outright evil. You know. Yeah, but I you the, see a, you see a lot more of that where you have whatever. people being like not considering the labor that goes into making their visions come true. Mm-hmm. So, hey, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, still, still like the movie. Would also still recommend it. We're still a lot of stuff we didn't talk about. It's very packed. So, if for whatever reason what you're primarily taking away from this discussion is how long do I have to wait for the next one? I don't know. You, you've got enough to go over with this yeah. movie and the first one already. If that's if that's your simplistic takeaway from it, um, yeah, you got you got two excellent movies to dwell on. There you go. I hope I hope fucking animators get paid their dues and don't have to lose their minds to do a job that they love. Yeah. It's a bare minimum. You can't even cross that bar. I hope we just can find a way to make we get, like find a way to make Hollywood work without venture capitalists being involved, like yeah. without that shit. But like, I don't know how we, I don't know where that goes. We've built the industry up so high that it takes that sort of ridiculous wealth to make anything now. So well, it's the it's it's the collapse that's happening. Yeah, I've been saying for a while it's gonna it's gonna fucking like just become like this weird 
place where independent films will be able to thrive because they won't be like they won't be made for hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. you know. And that doesn't mean they're all going to be good or noteworthy. I'm just saying I like just I worry think we're going to that when this collapse comes that has been decades in the works because it's just venture capitalist vampires sucking all the money out of everything good in the world that they're going to turn around and be like hey, people started unionizing right around the times of the collapse. It must be the union's fault. Mm. So like that's what I'm on the lookout for cuz that's that's you, you see that blame happen a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some fucking headlines are like, well, the writers haven't taken the deal, so that's why your shows aren't coming back in the fall. Yeah. Because no shows will be coming back in the fall. And that's a good thing, because they haven't been given a fair deal yet. Mm-hmm. You might have to wait a while before you see stuff you used to like on TV. Then that's going to be mm-hmm. a good thing, hopefully. And you just got to remember that right now. Because yeah. that, that's... And, and support your, your local guilds and, and, and shit. Um, if you're in L.A., uh, the picket lines could always use more more snacks and water. Um, check out some of the, the people in the Twitter sphere to raise voices if you can't make it to picket lines. Um, David Zaslav is a human being with a home and address. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not willing to say that. I am not okay. I, I, that. I'm just saying he ha- we all have a home and address. Yeah, I, I'm not endorsing that. Although make him feel I, I, well, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying he's a human being yeah. who has a house. Yeah. Where he lives. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. Um, weird discussion today, I think. Yeah. Not the one we expected, maybe. No. But I'm glad we uh, had it. Yeah. And I will also shout out the actual three directors of Across the Spider-Verse, and I, I believe beyond the Spider-Verse still. Mm-hmm. We will see how that goes. And none um, of these guys are the returning people from Into the Spider-Verse, right? Nope. So that might say something. Yeah. Uh, although they all got producer credit, which is not enough, frankly, considering what we know now. But yeah. Justin K. Thompson, Kemp Powers, and Joaquin Dos Santos are the three credited directors of Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And I have not seen a single interview with one of them. Hey, that might be for a reason. Um, yeah. Uh, Joaquin Dos Santos from Legend of Korra, Avatar fame, uh, killer director. Uh, I, I hope he continues to work in the animation world after this, because it was cool to see his glow up, mm-hmm. and he gets this as a... He should get his spot in the limelight, but we will see. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining me on this incredibly strange discussion today. Yes. Um, I do think it was one worth having, and uh, I don't feel miserable after it, also. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm I know. Little, um, yeah. As, as I think it's important to talk about. About the, the state of the industry, it, does, it feels like more people are waking up, you know? Yeah, just yeah. I try not to be totally blind to uh, possible challenges ahead, um, but it does feel like ultimately we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, maybe this is our canon event. I know. Yeah, I mean, is Trump selection canon? <laughs> oh my god! I fucking you know what? No, that changed a lot that of feels... things. It it did, but it also feels very specific to our universe. Yeah. Whereas nine eleven feels like it could happen anywhere <laughs> in the multiverse. <laughs> Were you George Bush's scriptwriter after nine eleven? <laughs> yeah, feels like nine eleven could happen anywhere. <laughs> so we need the Patriot Act. Yeah, Spider Bush. <laughs>
Now, hey, there yeah, was a cowboy. The... There was a cowboy Spider-Man. Yeah. Fool me once, Green Goblin. Shame on you. Fool me twice. You can't shame get fooled on me again. Twice once. Can't get fooled again. Oh man. Swip. <laughs> what a guy okay. that we actually elected president. <laughs> yeah. No one talks about it this way, but. I mean, I'm on par with Trump as one of the worst people who's ever held public office. Here's the thing. Here's here's something I'm honestly gonna say. Uh, the basically since Nixon, like all the all the Republican presidents have been equally evil. It's just Trump didn't know how to shut the fuck up about it. Like, yeah, yeah, he didn't have the respectability politics. Yeah, the other ones were good at being like, we can pretend we actually care about people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trump was like, yeah, I want to kill all the Mexicans. Like. <laughs> So, it wasn't, it, there wasn't really a big shift, it was just a lot of the masks came off, both literally and figuratively. Goddamn, how is that literally what happened? I don't know anymore. There must, Life be, is a parody there must of be a fucking order to the universe if those two things both happened. Like, if that was Maybe. in a story, I'd be like, you fucking, that's way too on the nose. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why James Cameron villains have aged so well. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, they just talk like that now. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're screwing each other over for a goddamn percentage. That's from Aliens. Yeah, that that line's a little silly. (laughs) But it's also exactly the case, which is unfortunate, you know? I think the the better is Burgess being like, I made a decision, Ripley, and it was was wrong it was like him trying to downplay it was, it what happened bad ripley it was a bad call it's like 200 people killed yeah, you got a whole a colony call. of people killed like horribly Including children like jesus christ man yeah yeah that does seem like it trump like you know it, it was a bad call it was a bad call <laughs> who knew that would be trump <laughs> who knew this would go this way yeah you're just telling were, me this yeah. now. Yeah, there was Xena Morrison LV426. I'm hearing this for the first time. <laughs> Goddamn. The androids were defective? Possibly possibly our president again. Oh boy. What a what a time. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for watching. We we've been professionally and professionally. What if we, what if we went links. to the multiverse and we got the onion version of Joe Biden and replaced our Joe Biden? That would be awesome. And I'm now I'm convinced that's exactly what happened when that one journalist asked if he was gonna attend the coronation <laughs> and he goes, I'm Irish and walks away. That's the most I've ever liked Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm just saying there's something going on with that guy. I think I think that's why he's so loopy. He's seeing the multiverse. I'm gonna I'm gonna end with that TikTok I told you about <laughs> with the Joe Biden impersonator. All right, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Merry Christmas. Joe Biden is my favorite president we've ever had. Oh, shut up. <laughs> he is the first president in my lifetime that nobody is able to call Hitler with a straight face. Every time he's on TV, he just kind of gets lost in thought. He kind of faces a wall away from the camera. And then he says a cliche that it kind of sounds like he made up. 
It'd be like, you know, the soup got cold, but the crackers are hot. Hey, just because you train a pumpkin with karate, don't make him a soldier. Some of the things this man says, they sound like you wake up from a nightmare. <laughs> Mr. President, how do you feel about inflation? Hey, just because a green man can't see you, don't mean he won't find you. <laughs>